Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. It is the H-Town Hoops Podcast. I am Brandon Scott here with Adam Spillane, Austin Mendez producing this bad boy behind the scenes for us. And the last time that we talked, I think only one of the candidates had interviewed, if I'm not mistaken, Adam. I think we had only had Frank Vogel as the interview the last time we talked about a week ago. And since then, I can count them here between uh, James Borrego, Kevin Young, and Adrian Griffin, Ime Udoka, and it looks like Sam Cassell, which is what we're going to get to now. Sam Cassell coming up. we got several more candidates that have interviewed and have been scheduled to interview. The latest being Sam Cassell, who's actually, as we record this, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are playing right now. Um, Adam, we've, we've touched on Sam Cassell as a candidate over the last couple of episodes that we've done, and now an interview has, has actually been scheduled. I, I want to make this point real quick. And just kind of get your sense for how serious of a candidate you think Sam Cassell is. But I kind of feel bad for Sam Cassell because it feels like a lot of the attention, just in terms of talking, I shouldn't say feel bad for because he doesn't care. But a lot of the talking points are either about his ties to the to the organization from, as a championship player and him being an assistant coach that's coaching James Harden right now. But he's also like an accomplished assistant coach or at the very least a guy who's been an assistant coach for a long time. And I was thinking about this. Jason Kidd is on his third job, is on his third NBA team. And Sam Cassell would just be now getting his first if he were to get this job. I think that Sam Cassell, even if he were to put aside the fact that he's tied to the he was on those championship teams with the Rockets, put aside the fact that he has some sort of working relationship with James Harden already. And and that there is a connection there with James Harden and, and the pursuit there. Sam Cassell himself just seems like to be a, a very interesting candidate in terms of assistant coaches for this job. What what do you think are his actual chances here? Uh, it's hard to, to know what his chances are, but I, I think the point that you made, I think the stuff about Harden is a moot point, to be honest with you, because this is a guy who has been interviewing for other jobs throughout the league. And he also interviewed for the Rockets job the last time around. And that was when he wasn't, you know, coaching James Harden. So I think that part of it is, is, is mood at this point. I think he obviously is getting interviewed. I, I do think part of it is 
the connection to the organization. I do think that that matters, but I think just his overall resume is why he gets a, a chance to interview for the job. And it's why he's interviewed for other jobs in the past, including the Rockets a couple of years ago, because it's a very strong resume. And when you have spent as much time in the league as he has, I mean, he's been in the league since 1993. It's been 30 years since he's been in the league. He's basically been in the league nonstop as a player, as an assistant coach that, you know, that, that earns you some respect and you should have some respect for what he's accomplished in the league. Um, he's been an assistant coach with Washington. He was an assist. He's been an assistant now under doc rivers for almost a decade in two different stops. Um, so he is, is qualified of all the assistants that are going to have interviews for jobs, both for this job, for the Detroit job and for any other job that might open up over the next week or so. Um, he is just as qualified as any of them. So um, I don't know if he has a, a real chance to get this job just because there are other really strong candidates that they are interviewing as well. But I, I the fact that he's getting an interview, I, I do think that it matters. The fact that he, he interviewed with them last time and they thought enough of him to bring him back, I do think that that matters. Yeah, man. And and I think that who he's worked under, it matters as well. Like the fact, that, like the actual type of experience that he's had and working under Doc over these last few years, I, I like. I think that that's going to be. Um, I just think that that's valuable experience for him, um, and sort of a, a feather in his cap. Uh, email you. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Doka interviewed um, on when let's see on Wednesday I believe it was interview with the Rockets on Wednesday this was one of the this is one of the names if not the name that we talked about that's the most uh, the biggest lightning rod I would say because there's so much potential there with him as a coach but also such a big question mark and such an unknown from how he departed his last place and all of that is it a, I guess it's an encouraging sign that he's at least interviewing for the job uh or that there, that there is some interest there um because like if it was it feels like if it was bad enough to where like he didn't like it was bad enough that there it wouldn't warrant interest like teams wouldn't even be wanting to talk to this guy it just feels like such a mystery and i don't really know what to make of it we mentioned that in the last episode but ma udoka ma udoka interviewing or I should say now that he has interviewed, he does feel like outside of, say, Frank Vogel, who's won a championship, and I would say even with him included, he feels like the strongest candidate so far that's interviewed. Well, if he if you take the baggage away, he's number one on the list. And I don't think there's any question that he's number one on the list because of what he did last year in Boston. And to take that Boston team and they got off to just a, a dreadful start and it looked like they were in serious trouble and they're talking about maybe having to split up the Jalen and Jason Tate, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And then they get that thing together and play as well as they did 
the entirety of the second half of the season through the postseason into the finals, he's clearly number one on the list. However, it's a big however, and that is there's a reason why he's available. And that is that the Celtics, you know, whatever he did, and we don't know what he did, but in America, the land of second chances, the Celtics said, no, we're not even messing with the second chance. They know more about what Ime Yudoka did than I do, and that they didn't think he was worthy of getting a second chance. So we talked about this last week. If he were to get the job, and I still think the chances of it are pretty remote at this stage, but if he were to get the job, he's going, you know, the press conference is going to be, well, why did you get fired? You know, why are you even in this position in the first place? And he, they can't dance around it. They've got to be forthcoming. They've got to explain, hey, this is what happened in Boston. And this is what's not going to happen again. And then the other question that you asked to the Rockets is, this is, like I just said, the the Celtics did not feel he was worth getting a second chance. The Celtics had an opportunity to just suspend him, bring him back. They said no. Does that concern you at all that the Celtics, who know more about the situation than anyone, they had an opportunity to give him a second chance and they just washed their hands of it? Yeah, well, I want to go back to what you said a moment ago that the chance, you said the chances are remote. Why do you think that is? If since they, I mean, they interviewed him and he's available. Um, and you figure if they if they get the answers, let's say they get the answers to these questions privately before they address us in the public, right? Let's say they get the answers that they like or answers that they find to be acceptable. It feels like almost like a depreciated asset, a guy who shouldn't even be available in the first place. If he gives you answers that you like it seems like it would almost be a no-brainer. The only way I'd see it otherwise is if it was somebody else that they liked a little bit more. Maybe if they disagreed with you a little bit and saw Frank Vogel as the best candidate or one of these other guys for whatever reason. But but to me, it, it seems like if the if the answers to the next questions are acceptable to them, then they would, they would do that. You don't think so? I, I just, from what I heard at the start of the process, it kind of seemed like he was an, one of the unlikely guys. You know, we listed all the guys that, that they were going to talk about. You know, he was one, Kenny Atkinson, who they've requested to interview, and he has yet to interview. He was another guy on that list. And it felt like those two were kind of remote when, when this whole process started. So um, the fact that they did interview Udoka, I do think that that matters. And maybe that changes the equation a little bit. And I guess it made them feel at least comfortable enough with what they, at least what they have found, you know, might have gone down in Boston. Maybe they are comfortable with that. But I, it just feels like to me, the chances seem slim. I could wind up being completely wrong. And in a couple of weeks, we could be talking about Rockets head coach, Ime Udoka, but that's just the feeling that I have about it right now. And I just, do you want to deal with the sideshow that's going to come with it? That's, I think that for me is the number one question where, you know, that whole introductory press conference is supposed to be kind of a celebration of the guy that you're bringing in as your head coach. And instead I I feel like it's going to wind up turning into a defense of the decision that you made. And it, uh, instead of talking about basketball, we're talking about stuff that happened in Boston. I'm going to come back to another Udoka related question in a second, but since you mentioned Kenny Atkinson, tell me, do do you think it's weird at all that, or does it show almost a lack of interest? Like, the the reasoning that I read for Kenny Atkinson not scheduling an interviews because they're still in the playoffs because of the playoff schedule with the Warriors, which there could be something to that. But I'm sitting up here watching the, oh, yeah. Sixers, the Sixers play right now with Sam Cassell on the bench with them. So, like, is am I reading too much? Obviously, I do not know. But is there anything to read into the, into that that this job has been out there for well over a week now, 
and Kenny Atkinson was an early name that was of interest to the Rockets, and they still haven't scheduled an interview. Oh, I mean, they request. He was one of the first guys they requested an interview with. So yeah, right. I, I do think I do find it interesting that he has not given an or that he has not scheduled. Or he might have scheduled one, and we just don't know it. But you know, that was one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of this process. It felt like he was kind of a a remote possibility because he wanted to stay in Golden State. He wanted to stay with the Warriors. Um, you know, he had an opportunity to, to get a head coach. Job. He he was hired by the Hornets last year, and then he backed out after the finals. And you know, a lot of it is that his family seems to be really happy in the Bay Area. And you never know what's going to happen with with Steve Kerr. And it feels like Steve Kerr might not be long for that job. He might just be tired of it. You know, and and you know, if Steve Kerr were to step away from that job, then it's a very simple. You know, he just slides. You know, Atkinson just slides over the one seat. He takes over there. So. You know, that that's why to me, it kind of felt like he was not, you know, somebody that uh, I, I if, if he were to if he were to be interested in the Rockets, I think that the Rockets would love to hire him. But I just don't know how interested he was in how interested he would be in leaving Golden State. It kind of felt like he might go to Atlanta until they fired or until they hired Quinn Snyder. It kind of felt like for him is either the Warriors just stay there or go to Atlanta. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, back to M.A. Udoka real quick. And look, he coached the guy for one year, but there's the there's the Jalen Brown chatter out there. I know that you've heard that the Jalen Brown interest. And, and look, if he's unhappy, if he wants to be traded from Boston like the rumors are out there, then any team that like is looking to upgrade its roster and looking to add talent should be interested in Jalen Brown on some level, I feel like. And the Rockets will be included in that. Do you see this? I, I don't think that they're necessarily related. I think it's more of a coincidence than anything. But do you see this as a possible happy coincidence that if the Rockets somehow, again, feel good about and satisfied with whatever answers they get to the very meaningful and relevant questions with M.A. Udoka, and if they would be willing to go down that route and also be willing to uh, to trade for Jalen Brown? Like, do you sense that there could be a serious sense of interest there and, and who knows long shot pairing of these two guys, or I should say reuniting of these two guys in Houston. You know, we talked about the Jalen Brown possibility back in December and just kind of understanding that um, he would be the, the exact perfect fit for what they need. You know, when you yeah. look at the defense, you know, he doesn't need necessarily need the ball to succeed. Got the side. He's, he's absolutely perfect for them. Um, so certainly if he were to, to come available, uh, whether via the trade market or free agency next summer, then yeah, I think the Rockets would 100% be interested. But I also think, man, if you are hiring a head coach with the hopes that he can recruit somebody else to your team, that, that gets real, real dangerous. Because remember, 
if Jalen Brown makes all NBA, then the Celtics can offer him a supermax, and anything the Rockets offer get it gets completely blown out the uh, out the water. And so now you're kind of le- and you're left with Ime Udoka, and it's very very unlikely that Jalen Brown were to take less money in order to. Uh, uh, he would take less money to sign with the Rockets and rejoin his head coach. He's going to take the money over rejoining his old head coach, and at least he should. I mean, you do that. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Do that sure. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred. Um, so that that's why I always think it's dangerous. If your plan is to hire somebody for the simple, uh, you know, hope of recruiting somebody else, that usually doesn't work out. Like, how many times can you point to where that has actually worked, where that has worked out the way that you wanted it to work out? Yeah, I guess that's why I framed it more so as a happy accident, because that's what it would really be, because paint out your scenario or like just play it out. If you don't get Jalen Brown, you at least do still have Ime Udoka, like independent of whatever free agent might come or be interested in playing under him. He himself is a good head coach. Again, if you feel OK and feel good about the other things and the other questions that need to be asked and answered then whether you get Jalen Brown or not, at the very least, you would have what you could argue and what you just did argue a few moments ago is the best available head coaching candidate out there on the market. So I think it would be, I'm, I'm really intrigued by him. Like I just, I think that he is, you know, (laughs) just a, 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 an incredible two-way player, the D like what he gives you on both ends of the floor and like he even gives you some level of shooting think about it like that too like they have no shooting on this team i mean he would he would address in some form or fashion in some way can play a lot better of a playmaker than he was when he got in the league like he's he can do a little bit of all of the things that the rockets are are lacking and and so yeah i think that he that he also would be a would be a perfect fit I, i do wonder i do wonder how much there is to the rumors in Boston and what is what his actual interest would be in Houston. Like if he would kind of be in does like does he look at what Houston is building and would he feel inclined to be a part of it? Does he see himself like having a role as a as a part of what the Rockets are building? And I don't know how much he's looked into it, but I don't know. It's just an interesting thought to me. Yeah, he would be if if he were a free agent this summer, he's the first call that they're making. You know, he, they call him before they call James Harden. At least they should. They should call him because just how good he is. He's still really young. Like he, he's, he's a perfect, perfect fit. Brings some, you know, uh, some experience. He's a guy who's been in winning situations now, essentially his entire career. I mean, they, they, they have not missed the playoffs uh, since he got to Boston. He's been to the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, multiple times. He was in the NBA Finals last year. I mean, I mean, that's the guy that you want. That's the guy that you really want to be able to build around. Unfortunately, I think the timeline doesn't really match up. Now, the question becomes, if he were to become a free agent or not a free, if if he were, if the Celtics were, if he went to the Celtics and said, hey, I'm not coming back here, trade me, that becomes a discussion. And it becomes a discussion of, okay, if you're the Rockets, what would you be willing to give up in order to get him? And obviously you have, you know, your first round pick this year that I, I do think is something that teams would be interested, even if it falls out of the top three, I think the Rockets would probably look to trade that first round pick if it falls out of the top three, but then you start going down the list and are there guys on the roster that you would feel comfortable um, trading in order to get Jalen Brown? 
and not just guys on the roster, but also draft picks that you'd be willing to trade uh, in, in order to get Jalen Brown. And, and the Rockets are under the cap, so you wouldn't have to make the contract add up. But would you be willing to trade, um, let's say, the number four pick in this year's draft plus Jabari Smith Jr. plus another piece here, another piece there. Would you be willing to go that route in order to get Jalen Brown with the hopes that he would be able, that he would resign with you in the off season. And it becomes a very interesting question because you could trade for Jalen Brown, but you would not be able to sign him to an extension because of just, you know, the way the, the, uh, the cap rules work where you wouldn't be able to offer him that max extension. So, you'd be taking a pretty big risk. So that's why I, I would be shocked if anything like that were to happen. But when he does become a free agent next summer, I still think the Rockets will certainly, they will absolutely look into that and try to make that work because he's that good a player. And if Ime Udoka is the head coach, does that help make it happen? Maybe, but also if the Rockets show significant improvement next year, maybe that could be what makes it happen as well under a head coach, Frank Vogel or James Borrego or Sam Cassell or whoever else. So it sounds like to me, though, it, it probably wouldn't be worth the risk to trade for him if oh. he's going to become a if he's going to become a free agent anyway. And you yourself are, let's say, a year from now, like you just said, are a more desirable free agent destination based off of how you've kind of gotten your stuff together over the last year. And I don't think Boston would do it either, because regardless of what happens the rest of this season, they they are going to contend for a championship next year. Like that roster, they're bringing back that entire roster. So they'll be able to contend and, you know, they, they could just say, Hey, you know what? We get it. You don't want to come back here after tw the 2024 season, but you know what? Give us one last ride. Let's try to win this championship one last chance. And then you can, and then we'll part ways once this season ends. All right. Well, speaking of potential free agents and contending rosters, James Harden is on one right now. He's a potential free agent after this year, of course. I don't know if you heard, and we talked about it, of course. But <laughs> he's on a roster right now that has a legitimate chance to at least go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, they're just as – I think they're just as talented as, as most teams in the Eastern Conference, any other team in the Eastern Conference. I don't really understand this, man. Like, I, I'm trying to get it. Like, I get that Harden loves Houston. I get that there is a kind of a there is this connection between Harden and and the organization that is like undeniable. I understand that, but like you would you would think a guy would be interested in being on a winning team and being attached to a winning player like Joel Embiid, who very well will probably win the MVP this year. Like I'm trying to understand James Harden's motivations, and and I can't get into the man's head, but. You know, I, I was listening or I guess I came across it on Twitter of, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski on his podcast with ESPN mentioning that, you know, the, the Houston is very much in play with James for James Harden and that, it, you know, his 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 future there is very uncertain there in Philly. And it's like this is a headline and everything. It's like, yeah, we've been talking about this for almost the entire season. You know, nothing. It didn't feel like anything new uh had been said or did, did, did harden just get ejected as we're as we're literally, literally as we're talking about him he he gave uh royce o'neill like an elbow or a forearm to the groin so yeah he he has they were pushing and shoving earlier uh they, they they had been physical the entire game i obviously turned my head to come record this but that doesn't surprise me actually because they had been mixing it up already um but 
yeah, made me lose my train of thought. But basically, Harden's motivations. I don't understand why you would want to leave Joel Embiid and the opportunity to compete in the East every year just to come back and hang out in Houston. I mean, sometimes winning, I'm not going to say winning isn't most important, but just being happy is most important, is more important than anything. And that's why you hear people say all the time, well, why wouldn't you want to get traded at the deadline to Team X? A lot of times it's because I don't want to get traded. I don't want to uproot my life to go try and be the savior of this team, you know, because when you get traded at the deadline, then you are automatically, you know, you're pinned as the savior and you're the one who's supposed to get us over the top. That's not a fun situation necessarily to be in. Um, so for, for Harden, we've talked about how he, he I think he does want to get back here. I, I think he misses being in this part of the country. I think he just misses, you know, the city and all the stuff that comes with it. And I think there's probably some other personal reasons that come with it as well. But I do think there's a financial aspect also where if, you know, the Sixers pay him, if the Sixers give him what he wants, then he would probably stay there. If they don't, then he'll just come back here. So I, I'm always, I don't know the motivation. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know why he would want to leave, you know, the team, the third best team in the Eastern Conference, you know, where they're going to, they're going to be in the second round. They will be, they will be locked in a very tough series, you know, in, in the East semifinals, why he would want to leave that for a team that has not made the playoffs, basically been the worst team in the league for the last three years. Part of it, I do think is just kind of the emotional attachment to the city and the organization. I do think that that sort of stuff matters, you know, you know, we, Damian Lillard could have asked out of Portland many, 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 many times over the last few years. That team's not winning anything when he's there, but he wants to stay there because that's where he feels most comfortable. That's where he's happy. And I do think that there's something to that. You know, we, the, the culture that, that, that we're in right now is where it's basically a culture of, if you don't win, you're a loser. And I don't think that that was always the case. You used to see guys stick with the same team their entire career. Kim Olajuwon was with the Rockets for almost his entire career. They did not, they did not compete for championships that entire time. I think the best example of it is Utah, where you yeah. had John Stockton and Carl Malone. It took them what 15 years, almost 15 years, before they even made the finals. And yet they stuck with it. You know, they stuck together. You know, with that organization, essentially their entire careers until Stockton retired, and then Malone went off to to LA right after that. I mean, think of how many times you know when they lost early in the playoffs in like the late '80s and early '90s. You know, when it's like seven straight years of of, of coming up short in the Western Conference playoffs. If that were today, and we just saw it in Utah with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, if that happens today. One of those two, maybe both get traded at some point and they break that team up. So we're, we've kind of gotten into this thing where, well, if you're not winning a championship, then you're completely worthless and your career is worthless and you should just, you know, you should be looking to do something else. But I do think that happiness matters and being in a place where you're happy. I think that that sort of stuff matters to, to people, at least it should. So if he feels like he is happier playing in Houston, playing in, a, in an organization that he really likes and, and being in a city that he really likes, then hell, let him let him do it. I got no, I got no problem with that. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, you kind of assume. I think we try to apply our own sensibilities of competitiveness without actually being the competitor. Like you try to just imagine. A lot, I think a lot of fans try to just imagine, or how would I look, or how does this best fit the narratives that we've constructed over time of what what a winner is, or what a, what a legend's resume resume should look like by the time that they've retired and, and and what what should be their motivations but but the truth is i think there's a lot uh, there's a lot to what you say there is like 
the the motivations might actually be happiness and 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 happiness could very well conflict with the narratives that we've constructed or the ideas that we've decided are are right you know like pursuing a ring chasing or pursuing a championship you know and and so i i think that that's interesting um and, and just from kind of from a sports standpoint to think of hey somebody might be happier playing at a place where they're less competitive i think you know again is an aversion to the sports fandom sensibility a little bit like hey you're supposed to be competitive you're supposed to be trying to win but we got to keep in mind that these are human beings that these are people so uh so there's definitely something to that as far as like from the rocket side though and with with harden i do think because, I, I mean, I listen to whenever there's a conversation about James Harden, I'm always like like locally, I'm always interested to see how people approach it and how people kind of couch it. And, and so many are like, oh, there's no way you could bring somebody in like that. He'd ruin your locker room. He'd ruin your team culture and all of these other things that I'm like, guys, <laughs> the team cut like James, James Harden gets here. I'm not saying that they should do it or don't, but he gets here. He ain't making it worse. I don't think he's getting here and making it worse. And I don't think it gets, a, there's enough credit given to, and I do understand why people think that, right? Cause James Harden's got the party boy reputation and all that, but I don't think he gets enough credit for the way he changed his game and adjusted his game after he left Houston from the days in Brooklyn to the days now in Philly. Like he's a completely different player when he's healthy. He's a completely different type of player than the one that I think Rockets fans remember when he was here. And if, obviously, if you're following the league, you know that. But the type of player that he is now does coincide or mesh with the type of player that they exactly need. You know, um, now, obviously, they need more on defense as well. And, and maybe that'll come. A lot of that will come with coaching. And James Harden certainly isn't that. But, yeah, man, it's just it's it's fascinating that the, that the sort of the emotional reaction does not jive with the logical basketball rationale of why to bring him here. You know what I mean? Like he, he make, he, he actually makes sense and fits on your roster. If you separate sort of the history from it all. Yeah. He's, he's a point guard. He's a walking one man elite offense. And that essentially has, has been his, that's what he's been his entire career. Uh, especially since he joined the Rockets in, in 2012. Like he is a one-man show on that end of the floor. If you have him on the floor, you are going to have a great offense. That's just how it is. And the Rockets offense has been, let's be honest, horrific the last three years. So just adding him right there, it makes you better. Even though he's not the James Harden of 2018, you don't need him to be the James Harden of 2018. You're not looking to win a championship next year. You're just looking to be respectable because they haven't been that. Adding James Harden to the roster makes you respectable. It just does. And so he's not going to play every night. This isn't going to be him playing 82 games, you know, and playing the second night of a back-to-back all the time. And, you know, it's going to be different than what it was if he were to come back. But he's still really, really good. And he can he understands the game probably better than anyone else. And, and we talk about coaching and we talk about, well, Vogel's a, a defensive coach. They need an offensive coach, you know, to, to go with him. Well, James Harden probably sees the game better than any offensive coach you could ever imagine having on your staff. So, you know, he, he just he would make you better in so many different ways. Um, and, you know, just having somebody who knows what they're doing on the floor most of the time would be nice because yeah. 
this team has been lacking that. And you know what? Say what you want. Everywhere the guy goes, they win. And you look back at, you know, in Oklahoma City, you know, he's never missed the playoffs. He's been in the league now for, what, 12, 13, 14 years. He has never missed the playoffs during that stretch. And we're talking, you know, he's in the Western Conference for eight years. Uh, they finished top four in, in the West in the West um, six out of the eight years. I mean, that's hard to do during that stretch from 2013 to tw- through uh, through 2020. The Rockets were a top four team in the West six out of eight years. That's hard. You know, that doesn't happen very often. They won a uh, playoff series. They got out of the first round of the playoffs five times in eight years in an eight year stretch. That's not something that had been done here in a long, long time since Kim Elijah was around. So, you know, little things like that, you know, he, he's not perfect. He's older. He's not as durable as he once was, but he can still really play. And he gives you a chance to win whenever he's on the floor. And that's that's what they need to get to. They're not looking to go from 22 wins to winning a championship next year. They're looking to take the next step, take the next step after that, take the next step after that. And that's how you get to a championship level. It's not going to happen overnight. Jalen Green was on IG Live and somewhere I didn't see the whole thing, but there's a clip out there of him saying that, you know, we're going to the playoffs next year. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do, coming in hot, all of that. And I just think about, and, and, you know, kids being kids on IG Live. But aside from that, I just think about how much smarter and better of a basketball player could Jalen Green become being around James Harden and playing with James Harden every day? Well, just being with him on the practice floor every day. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, and watching film with him every day, that, that sort of stuff matters. And you know what? This time last year, there was nobody in that building talking about playoffs. No one. Even going to to the offseason, you know, going to, you know, uh, training camp. Nobody was talking about, hey, we, we, could, we could be in the playoffs. We could be in the play. And no, they all knew what this was going to be. But now the expectations are different. And they're going to go into camp with expectations of actually winning some games. And so they're going to add to the roster. They're going to add – in all likelihood, you know, a top five, top six pick. Well, you know, maybe they trade the pick or whatever. They're going to add veterans. They're going to add more than one veteran. You know, the roster was very thin. I don't think people understand just how thin the roster really was because we saw all these names of guys that they had drafted, but they weren't good NBA players. You know, the talent level on the roster is going to improve significantly. And one of the things that we'll get into as we get to the offseason is that you have some guys that are kind of, you know, on the roster right now that might not be on the roster by the time next season starts. Um, and so you're just, your talent level one through 15 should be not, maybe not one through 15, but you know, one through nine, which is really what matters. It's going to be better next year. And so, you know, we'll have to see what happened. The, the West is going to be a gauntlet as it always is. It's going to be tough to, to compete, but they're going to at least try and they're going to take their swings and the expectations will be totally different. Sometime soon in the offseason, Adam, I think we should do maybe a free agent wish list or like, you know, something something to that effect, something adjacent to that. And and also the point that you just made about players not on the team, maybe even like discuss scenarios in which a said player might not be on the team and, and start maybe looking looking ahead at that. Like what what different moves could they make to to change the makeup of this roster? I think those are interesting thought exercises that you and I can do um, as we move forward, man. What have you thought before we get out of here, man? What have you thought of the first few games of the first round of the playoffs so far, man? Uh, you know, it was interesting to me that first, I think it was that first night. Was it Saturday when all of the, when like all but one of the road teams won and then the next day it was the opposite. Like it's, 
it's been for the most part a really interesting uh first round i'm really intrigued by this suns and clippers series and that game is going to start it looks like any moment um on nba tv so i'm actually not exactly sure oh i've got league pass i should be able to find it somehow but uh but Kawhi is not playing in that game injuries have really been an issue for me in this uh has been kind of the only sour spot so far out of the first round and then of course this whole draymond green uh demonte sabonis situation uh was also a little bit of a kind of a sidebar as well but what have been some of your first round takeaways so far I think just how much more intense these games are compared to regular season games. Oh and, yeah, and it's it's a little bit of a problem for the league that it just looks so much different, and the quality of play is really just so much better. And you know, these games actually matter, whereas you know most of your regular season games could not matter less. So that's been fun. Also, I think the other thing that you notice is just bad players get exposed so easily when you get into these games and I'm not, you know, I'm saying like, if you're a bad defender, you're going to get exposed. If you are a weak offensive player, you are going to get exposed. And it's really hard if you are not a two way player to survive in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred um, percent. I'm looking at, I'm just looking at a couple of the series, man. Sacramento is one that of course we, we saw them up close because you know, they, they obviously played the Rockets a lot being in the Western Conference, but I think a couple of times did they play them back to back both times that they played them? Yeah. Okay, so that so that's why Sacramento is so pronounced in my mind. I'm like, man, I feel like I saw Sacramento play a thousand times, but it's because the times I watched them most closely were were times that I watched them in back to back games. But I'm curious from you, man, do you think and they're gonna play a, by the time this pod maybe i should even ask this question because by the time this podcast is out people will know the answer but i feel like the warriors are in uh some serious trouble man like i I won't ask you if you think they can sweep them because by the time we publish this the, the answer to that question will be out there but this looks like this looks like the 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 kings in a route to me i don't know what do you think um i don't want to make too much of the first two games just because of how different the warriors have been at home compared to on the road it's just been the most bizarre thing in the world where they won what 11 games they were 11 and 30 i think on the road yeah. and, and they're completely different uh once they get to chase center so i'm gonna i'm gonna hold off i don't think that sacramento will sweep i, I just think that you get that group they got way too much pride to get swept and it's hard for me to think that you know you're just going to shut down steph curry you know in san francisco for those two games even without draymond green but you know they're gonna have to be especially for game three they're gonna have to get creative on how to how they're gonna defend because i think the one thing that has really stood out and i think is the one thing that kind of worried you about sacramento and it's a big reason why the Warriors were favored in this series because I think people thought that Sacramento's offense wouldn't necessarily translate to the playoffs, and it has. Mm-hmm. And they have essentially done whatever they have wanted uh, at the offensive end of the floor. And De'Aaron Fox is just blowing by everybody. He's had very little resistance on the offensive end. Um, Sabonis struggled in the first game, but he got it together, I, I think, in, in game two. So just – the Kings offense carrying over into the playoffs, I think has probably been, you know, one of the bigger surprises to me. I know, I know they were great, you know, all regular season, they were best offense in the league, but it kind of felt like it was a regular season offense because it's not a great three point shooting team. You have 
their their two best offensive players, you know, Sabonis is a big who doesn't really shoot threes, and then you have um, Fox who's kind of a little guard. You know, those guys don't necessarily thrive once you get into postseason. But he's a killer, though, man. He is a killer. It's, I mean, that you, you talk about a competitor, man. That dude's got a got a gear to him, got an extra gear to him. It seems like. Yeah, it's been impressive, and they got a, that team has a little bit more depth than I think that people realize, or at least gave them credit for. You're seeing guys like Alex Lynn, who Alex Lynn has been in the league for ten years, and he's you know showing up and and you know putting up you know really good games against the defending champions. So I think the Kings' depth and just the offense carrying over into the postseason has been most impressive to me. I didn't think uh, I didn't think the Lakers had nearly as much of a chance as I feel like they do now. Um, well, he's the best player gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, right, exactly. But man, they they got like some of their other players are have stepped like the the biggest issue with the Lakers is that they had nothing around like not enough around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But now that doesn't feel like like the case. I mean, the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are in trouble. And I'm starting to wonder if, if maybe I was just underselling the Lakers a little bit or, or like overall. Yeah, I, what they did last night was impressive, though. Um, to hold the Lakers under a hundred points, they kind of got back to that to their identity, where you know that was well, it was them in Cleveland. I think were the two top defenses in the league, so they kind of got. Yeah, that's one of the things with Morant. You know, Morant obviously is incredible; he's a great player, but when he's off the floor, defensively they're a different team. And so, you know, he was a lot better there. They controlled the glass a lot more. They were a little bit more physical with Anthony Davis, and that's you know what they have to do in order to, to survive in that series. So I thought that them winning that game, I don't, I don't know if Morant's going to play in game three. I think they got a couple days. He's got a little bit of, they got, he's got a little, you know, that, that series is, is uh, they have the two days in between games one and games in, in game two. So right. he's got a little while, but I, I think Memphis might've found their footing in that series. All right, man, that's Adam Lane. I'm Brandon Scott. Austin Mendez is handling this thing, producing it. Of course, like we talked about, man, a lot to go over with this Rockets offseason, this pursuit for a new head coach. There there will be interviews, as we discussed earlier. Uh, Sam Cassell interviewing on Sunday with the Rockets, former Rockets point guard and champion Sam Cassell, long-term assistant coach. So we will continue to monitor how this thing goes, bring you weekly analysis and thoughts on the Rockets offseason. Until next time, all of y'all be good. Thank <laughs> you.